Al-Bayan Radio presents the following lesson from Masjid Al-Azhar, Bilmo. Presented by Farhan bin Rafi' Ahmed. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Inna alhamdulillah, nahmaduhu wa nasta'inu wa nasta'gfiruhu. Wa na'udhu billahi min shururi anfusina wa min sayyati amalina. Man yahdihillah falamudillalah. ومن يضلل فلن تجد له وليا مرشدا وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله يا أيها الذين آمنوا اتقوا الله حق تقاته ولا تموتن إلا وأنتم مسلمون Indeed all praise and thanks belongs to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala we seek his help, his assistance and guidance in all things. He whom Allah tabarak wa ta'ala guides, there is none that can misguide him. And he whom Allah tabarak wa ta'ala leads astray, there is none that can guide him except through the will and permission of Allah tabarak wa ta'ala alone. And I bear witness and testify that there is no deity worthy of worship except Allah and that Muhammad ibn Abdullah ibn Abdul Muttalib al-Hashimi al-Qurashi was the final messenger and prophet sent to all of mankind. O you who believe, fear Allah. Fear Allah as as he deserves to be feared. And do not die except in a state of Islam. Do not die except that you are Muslims. رَبِّ اشْرَحْ لِي صَدْرِي وَيَسِّرْ لِي أَمْرِي وَأَحْلُلْ عُقْتَةً مِّنْ لِسَانِي يَفْقَهُ قَوْلِي Alhamdulillah, my brothers and sisters, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has allowed us to reach the ninth of the Hijjah. The ninth of the Hijjah, my brothers and sisters, is a very important day. Now we, after Maghrib, we have entered into the night of Arafah. The night of Arafah. And this day is a very important day for that which happens after Fajr For that which happens after Fajr Now the first point that we have to make is what is Arafah? What is it? Why is this ninth day of this month Which is a sacred month Why is it called Arafah? Now Arafah is a piece of land Arafah is a place In between Mecca and Ta'if in between Mecca and Ta'if Yani 22 kilometers away from Mecca Now this section of land It has the place where the Hujjaj will stand for an entire day This place over here, Arafah It's not just this one mountain, it's a whole piece of land And the Hujjaj on this day Those who are doing the pilgrimage will stand here. The Prophet ﷺ stood at that mountain in this place after giving his khutbah, his sermon, because it was a day of Friday also. And he combined the prayers, Asr was brought forward, and Nabi ﷺ stood here until sunset. Invoking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Making dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Hours 
and hours on end. So this is the ninth day of the Hijjah and it is the most integral part of the Hajj. And that is why the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he says in the famous hadith that is found in Abi Dawood, Al-Hajju, Arafah, that Hajj itself is Arafah. Yani the person who misses Arafah has missed Hajj. Subhanallah, back in the day when people were trying to do Hajj without the proper documentation, if they would get caught, what would happen was that the police would keep them in jail until the sunset of Arafah. And then after the sunset of Arafah on this ninth day, now the tenth day is out, you guys can go because you can't do Hajj anymore, it's finished. So they would keep you imprisoned if you tried to do Hajj without the proper documentation until this day after it was completed. And then you'd be allowed to leave because now you can't do Hajj and Khalas. But now if you get caught, <laughs> bad days, bad days. Like a fine, you're never allowed to come back for like five, six years, bad days. Now, this day, subhanAllah, is a day that has significance because a momentous thing happened on this day. On this day, on the farewell pilgrimage of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed the last portion of the regulations. And something was revealed where it showed that Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam's life was now coming to an end because his mission was complete. And the regulations of Islam were dusted and settled. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed the verse of Surah Ma'idah. الْيَوْمَ أَكْمَلْتُ لَكُمْ دِينَكُمْ وَأَتْمَمْتُ عَلَيْكُمْ نِعْمَتِي وَرَضِيتُ لَكُمُ الْإِسْلَامَ دِينًا This day, يعني today, what's the day? The day of Arafah. I have perfected for you, your religion. It's complete. After this, very little was revealed. After this, the regulations sorted, finished, settled. The religion is complete. And then, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He says, and completed my favor upon you and have approved for you Islam as a religion. This was the final stamp of approval from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that this is what you need to be upon till the day you die, till the resurrection. This is the greatest favor that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has bestowed upon this entire nation. Islam. The blessing of Islam itself. And the fact that it is complete. And the fact that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying that it has been completed, which means that he will protect it from now on in. And the, the favor that's been bestowed upon you, that you have a religion that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has chosen for you. The creator himself has chosen this for you. So now this is what you are upon. You are upon Islam. Not because it makes the most sense. Not because it has scientific miracles. Not because... It has some really cool guys with beards. None of that. 
Wallahi, I, I heard someone who was thinking about embracing Islam because people had beards. Astaghfirullah. Huh? It's a fashion, huh? Yani the chinos when it came a few years ago was above the ankles, everyone was ala sunnah. That is not why we follow Islam. Why we follow Islam is because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has chosen this religion for us. Now this seal of approval, which no other faith had, to the point where the Jews came to Umar radiallahu an, and it is found uh, in uh, Musad Imam Ahmad, they said, yani you have a verse, Amir al-Mu'mineen, in your book, that if we had it, if we had this verse, we would have taken the day that it was revealed as a Eid, as a day of celebration, because this is something that you don't understand how important it is. You don't understand the significance of this. If we had it, we would have appreciated it. We would have loved it so much that we would have taken not just that verse as being extremely important, the day that it was revealed, it would have been khalas, finished for us. That would have been Eid. What was it? Subhanallah, Umar radiallahu anhu, he says, not just that I know the day that it was revealed in, I know the place that it was revealed in. It was the day of Arafah. And it was the day of Friday, and the Prophet ﷺ was in the plains of Arafah. Now, subhanAllah, this day, it has other significance. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He revealed in uh, Surah Al-Fajr, Wal-Fajr, Walayal Al-Ash, Wal-Shaf'i, Wal-Watr. Just making sure if the kids know of the Huffaz yet or not. Now, the verses is by the sky uh, يعني, containing the great stars, by the promised day, and by the witness, and what is witnessed. What is witnessed on this day is all of the judge stand on one place until sunset. They stay there making dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is witnessing that which occurs on that plane. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sees that which happens on that day. Now, subhanallah, it is a recommendation, a very strong recommendation for anyone who is able to fast, to fast on this day. When? Tomorrow. And the reason that we fast this day is why? Because it's the day of Arafah and why? Because it is a sunnah of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, that is why. But because you follow this sunnah, you are rewarded by Allah subhanahu wa taala. And the reward for this day, if you fast on this day, this one day, your sins for the previous year and the following year, two years worth of sin wiped away. An expiation for two years worth of sin. So this is not something that you should take lightly. This is something that you should ensure, even if you are sick, for the men, even if you are sick, that you ensure to fast this day. Our Salaf, the pious predecessors, when they would travel on the day of Arafah, if they weren't at Hajj, then they would not, not fast, taking the exemption. Because they're on travel, they don't have to fast, generally speaking. But, when they would fast on this day, they would be asked, why are you fasting but you're on a traveler? 
And they said that this is a day that you can't make up. This is a day that doesn't return. This is a day that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has fixed. So you have to do this. Whether you are able to, whether you're able to, or not in the sense where you don't have an extreme sickness that prevents you from fasting. Now if someone has an extreme sickness and prevents him from fasting, he wants to fast. Or a sister who is unable to fast because of her cycle, what do they do? They miss out on this massive, yani massive reward. Then we remember the hadith of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, إِنَّمَا الْعَمَالِ بِالنِّيَاتِ Deeds are judged according to your intentions. If you wanted to, sincerely, for the sake of Allah, but sickness, extreme sickness, like, oh, you got a headache in the morning, you know what I mean? Like you wake up and your throat's hurting. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you, I, can't, I can't do it. Right, little kids, oh yeah, I can't. <laughs> Extreme sickness, actual sickness Or a sister is unable to fast Then what do you do here? You expect the reward of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala insha'Allah Because you are prevented from something that is out of your hands And insha'Allah you will have the reward We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to forgive us ya Rabb On this day Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala He takes people out and frees them from the hellfire and Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he says in a hadith that's found in Sahih Muslim, that there isn't a day where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala frees more people from the hellfire than the day of Arafah. Imagine that, a day where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is known for on this day, taking people out and freeing them from the fire of hell. And do you think you can just continue your day tomorrow and think nothing happened? Unless you want to stay where you're supposed to be You don't know where you're going Unless you don't want to be freed from Jahannam Then pretend tomorrow is an ordinary day Khalas, no problems, that's on you If you want no reward from Allah You don't want to be freed from Jahannam Then khalas, do whatever you want It's on you But if someone wants to be freed From Jahannam He has a very great chance tomorrow Why would Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala choose you? To be freed from the hellfire If you were engaging in trying to achieve his pleasure on that day The least you could do on that day Is increase in your worship So that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala deems you worthy Because you have come with something to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Something to free you from the hellfire Now There is a beautiful hadith that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on this day He comes close to the people of Arafah That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala He comes close In a manner befitting His majesty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is close to us on this day and if someone has plans to disobey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on this day Then he needs to be very, very, very scared If someone has a plan to do that which displeases Allah the night before Eid يعني. The night before Eid, you know what I mean? If someone has plans to do that which displeases Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Then let him be afraid Let him be afraid That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is close
Does that not change anything in your mind? Does that not have an effect in you? That Allah is close to you? And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but when He's above, in a manner befitting His majesty, above the people of Arafah, then He says with pride, what do these people want? What do they want? If you look at the live, I encourage everyone tomorrow, just watch it for a little bit. Right? They have the live videos of Hajj. I think you can get it on YouTube now before we used to have it on the dish, you know what I mean, back in the day. But you see everyone is not, they're not just hanging about. Everyone's reading Quran, making dua, nine out of ten people are crying. You know, it's like a, it's an experience. Everyone is going through something. No one's like dishing out food. It's not like a, you know, festival or it's not like people singing Tala Alba. And it's a very spiritual event. Right? It's a very spiritual event. Everyone is trying to be forgiven on that day. The most important part of Hajj, right? The most important part of Hajj is this day. Now, subhanAllah, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala asks this, what do these people want? What do they want? The response is not given, but it's obvious. What is meant is that whatever they want, they will be given. Whatever they want, they want to be forgiven, I will forgive them. They're asking from me, I will give them. Allah is close on this day for this reason. He is proud of this moment. Give him something to be happy with. Something that he is proud of. Worship him in a way that he loves to see. Come back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so that you can be of those who Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will say about what does he want? What can I give him? And Allah will give you. He is beyond generous. There is no one more generous than Al-Kareem, Al-Jawad. There is no one, that's more, no one who is more generous. So in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's hands is all favor. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala controls all dominion. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala controls all the affairs. So you ask Allah, He will give you. There is even a dua, there is even a hadith عفوان, that says, it has weakness in it, but it says, the best dua that you can ever make is on the day of Arafah. The best dua is the day of Arafah. Yani, this is the day that you're supposed to try to come back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, communicating with Him directly, not through any intermediaries, not through any grave or any saint or any peer or anything like that, none of that. Directly with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That is the beauty of dua, that you have the ability to talk to the creator of the heavens and the earth. And he is listening. He wants to hear you. He wants you to come close. And then, when he's actually closer to you, you squander this opportunity. Tomorrow is nothing. A lot of the people don't even fast. A lot of the people don't know what day it is. It's just Tuesday. Nine to five. I got shughul. I got work. Nine to five. If you can't make sacrifices on these special moments, that you can take New Year's off, you can take Easter off, you can take Christmas off, 
You can do all of these things for the kuffar Because it's public holidays You have leave, annual leave But you don't take it You have an actual responsibility Right? You could take your kids out of school one day They're not gonna, No one's going to forget يعني, Your th- three-year-old you know, didn't go to primary school that day Your six-year-old Afwan He missed kindergarten for a day It's not going to be the end of the world for his learning and his education Relax you know, He missed a day of school Chill you know, it's, it's not going to be the end of the world Take A lot of the schools It's holidays time now, right? Public schools as well It's holidays Just take a day off And then take the Eid off And then the rest of the <laughs> So what do we do on the day of Arafah, my brothers and sisters? The first thing that we do Is before Fajr Have your niyyah from now on, have your niyyah that you're going to fast tomorrow. Fasting from Fajr to Maghrib. And insha'Allah, the one who does this, reward of two years of sin wiped away. Ya Rab. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept this from us and allow us to do this worship, Ya Rab. The second thing is the dua that we have to make on this day. Now, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he says, Khayru dua yawm arafah. وَخَيْرُ مَا قُلْتُهُ أَنَا وَالنَّبِيُّونَ مِنْ قَبْلِي لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا اللَّهُ وَحْدَهُ لَا شَرِيكَ لَهُ الْمُلْكُ لَهُ الْحَمْدُ وَهُوَ عَلَى كُلِّ شَيْءٍ قَدِيرٌ The Prophet ﷺ, he says The most excellent dua The most excellent dhikr that you are supposed to say On the day of Arafah And the best of what I and the prophets before me have said Subhanallah Subhanallah the best of what I say and the prophets before me what they said. What is the best thing? This is found in Muatta of Imam Malik rahmatullah What is it? The statement, there is no deity worthy of worship except Allah alone with no partners to him. To him belongs all dominion and to him belongs all praise and he is all powerful over all things. This is a dhikr. La ilaha illallah. وحده لا شريك له له الملك وله الحمد وهو على كل شيء قدير This should not be leaving your mouths This is not something that you forget now This is something that you increase in The praise of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala In all that you do Whatever it is You continuously make this dhikr Because this is the best that Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said And the best that the Anbiya before him said Now the next point is of making a tahleel wa takbir wa tahmeed wa tasbih that it is a sunnah to make the tahleel, the takbir, and the tahmeed as many times as possible on the days, the day of Arafah and the days of a tashriq, which is the 11th, the 12th, and the 13th, which is to say, La ilaha illallah, Allahu akbar, alhamdulillah, and subhanallah, to increase this in your dhikr. That you do The third thing that you're trying to do My brothers and sisters Is that you seek forgiveness from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on this day Don't forget this Don't forget this Seek the forgiveness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala And one of the best du'as that you can make over here Is Ya Allah accept this fast Why? Because if it's accepted Then you have this reward of two years of sin wiped away so ask Allah to accept this from you. You're doing something and only He can accept it. So ask Him, Ya Allah, accept this. 
Accept it from me, Ya Allah. Now, there is a narration uh, that... Actually, we'll skip that to avoid any issues, inshaAllah. Now, from tomorrow, after Fajr, the takbir begins after every prayer. In jama'ah, whether you're in with your families or not. What do you, how does the takbir go? You're not going to do it together in unison now. But Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. La ilaha illallah, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, walillah alhamd. From Fajr, tomorrow. Till the end of Eid, which is till the end of the Asr, of the last day of Eid, you continuously do this takbir now after the prayers. And you ensure that you do it in a way that reminds one another, which means loudly. Okay? The aim should be that it's not a communal one, but everyone is doing their own takbir. So this is something that is going to start from tomorrow. Now this... Is beautiful when you pray in the masjid. Wallah, billah, tallah. When you do this in the masjid, you feel this buzz. You feel this spirituality, this brotherhood, this sisterhood. You're making the takbir of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on the holy days, on the sacred days. The takbir is something that is almost forgotten unless you're in the masjid. Wallah, it's almost forgotten Unless you're in the masjid after the prayer And you should also know That even when you're waiting for the prayer Make takbir Make takbir Because it is a time of glorifying Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala now So try to engage with as much takbir as you can In these following days Now, the last point that I want to make Uh... Insha'Allah, and we conclude and we'll go into tafsir insha'Allah, is, my brothers and sisters, this could be, Allahu A'lam, your last day of Arafah. You don't know if you're promised another day. You don't know if you're going to wake up tomorrow, Aslan. That's the one, one thing. But this could be your last Arafah. And it's a momentous day. Even to some narrations that it is a day of celebration. Right? Now, this is a day that we shouldn't be heedless about. One of the ways that you can try to maximize your day tomorrow is to engage in sadaqah, but a specific type of sadaqah. A specific type of sadaqah. A sadaqah that is jariyah. A sadaqah, why I'm relating this now at the end, is because there is a sadaqah that you can do that the rewards they count after you die. So yes, it could be your last arafah, but if you did something for the sake of Allah properly, and you did, especially if it was an ongoing charity, this can count for you till the day of judgment, inshaAllah. And one of the best things that you can do of these charities is to help establish masajid. On the face of the earth To try to build masajid To help build the houses of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala That know that indeed the masajid, the houses of Allah are for who? Allah alone So do not call in therein anyone other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala So 
tomorrow, if you guys want, I'm going to be with a few brothers and we're going to try to raise money for a specific masjid. Because if we all try to work together, it helps. So basically, use your WhatsApp. WhatsApp story, Facebook story, Instagram story, whatever it is. And whoever wants to join this issue, we're helping the brothers in New Zealand, inshallah, in Papa Toy Toy, in Auckland. Right? We're helping the brothers in New Zealand in trying to build this masjid. So tomorrow, after Fajr, put the status up. 20 people, $20. $20. It's not like 100 bucks, 50 bucks. Someone who wants to give more, alhamdulillah. No problems. 20 spots, $20. $20 is not far-fetched. If they want to do cash, they can give it to you. If they want to direct deposit it to your account, pay ID, no problems, they can do that for you. But the main thing here is not going to, if you do 20 people, 20 bucks each, ATO is not going to come after you, relax, you know what I mean? It's not going to screw your financials up because June's coming up soon, July, you know, end of July, and you've got to do tax returns. It's just $20, 20 people. Now this is an easy way that you can help others as well gain in the favor of helping to build a masjid, and you get the reward of everyone who pays. Anyone who does it, because you've put this status up, you get the reward as well. So, inshallah, that's what I'm going to be doing tomorrow. If anyone wants to join, hands. Bismillah. <laughs> so tomorrow, inshallah, 20 people, $20. Put the status up, and inshallah, next week we talk. Next week, we get together, and inshallah, we help the brothers in New Zealand come together and help build this masjid bi-idhnillahi tabarak wa ta'ala. Sisters, you're more than welcome to join as well. Um, and inshallah, we can sort that out. Now, if anyone wants to leave, ahla wa sahlan, now we're going to start our tafsir lesson, which is going to be a little bit longer as well. So if anyone wants to go, they can leave. We're not going to hold you hostage. Ahla wa sahlan feekum. Hajj, ma'a salama. Allah barik feek. Now, so now we start our tafsir lessons. If someone, if you guys want to take like a minute, stand up, get fresh. No? We're all good? Alright. You can stand up, you know what I mean? Hadrik. Back is so good. Yeah. You know, one of the most beautiful things about Umrah and Hajj, while you guys are waiting, while you guys are walking around, the concept of tawaf and the first tawaf that you do around the Kaaba for Umrah is a very beautiful tawaf and it involves something which is very beautiful which is the run right it's the first three that you do the first three rounds of doing tawaf it's done with a light jog and what the story behind this is while you're all waiting for the tafsir lesson the story of this jog that we do in the first three of when you first do Umrah is that Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam when he was first coming to the Kaaba rumor had started to spread that they're coming from a diseased area and they're all tired and they're all sickly and they're all, you know, they're all just they've, they've been shot, you know what I mean? They, they don't have much energy. So Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam commanded the men to go around the Kaaba and to show their strength. 
to show their power and to do this jog as a show that we have come from travel, walking on foot, and now we are going to run around the Kaaba. As when I think of that, and that subhanAllah, Nabi Sallallahu he maintained that sunnah even the following time. Then after he came, that was the first thing, the first three, you run. It's not like a like Usain Bolt type run, but a run where you, sh- you keep your momentum and you keep your strength. And it's a very beautiful concept. That it shows the beauty and the power of Islam. And then when you think of there's over two, three, four million people, Allahu Alam, in Hajj right now. And they're all showing the power and the might of Islam. And this is from the Sha'air of Allah. The Sha'air of Islam. Right? This is the images of Islam. When someone thinks of Islam, when they when the Kuffar even talk about Islam, take a picture of Hajj, right? With Masjid al Haram being full. Because this shows our numbers. It shows the beauty of Islam. Black, white, Desi, Asian, everyone together. Everyone together. Did I miss anyone? Mexican, Latino, whatever it is, right? I got my Peruvian brothers, you know what I mean? I got right? New Zealand, African, the whole shebang, right? Everyone. Together. And that's the beauty of it, subhanAllah. Now, lesson 22. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, lesson 22 in our tafsir. Again, if anyone wants to leave, they get tired. Ahlul Sahlan, please don't think that we're keeping you hostage. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he says, يُخَادِعُونَ اللَّهَ وَالَّذِينَ آمَنُوا وَمَا يَخْدَعُونَ إِلَّا أَنفُسَهُمْ وَمَا يَشْعُرُونَ They think to deceive Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and those who believe. While they only deceive themselves, but they fail to perceive it. Ibn al-Jawzi rahimahullah who died in the year 597 after the hijrah of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, he says that Ibn Abbas radiallahu anhuma, he said that when Abdullah ibn Ubay and Ibn al-Qushayr and al-Ja'ad ibn al-Qais would meet those who believed, they would say, we believe and we testify that your companions is truthful. That your companion is truthful. But whenever they would be secluded, they would remain, they would not remain upon that. Then this verse was revealed. Yani the leaders of the Munafiqeen, when they would meet the Muslims, they would say, We believe in Allah, we believe in Islam, we believe that your companion, yani Muhammad وسلم, is truthful. We believe this. But when they would be secluded, because they were thinking that they were running amok on everyone, they were trying to يعني, deceive everyone. But when they would be secluded, then they would go back upon their kufr. So this, these verses were revealed. This verse and the verses that came before that we have begun in our read of a tafsir of the munafiqeen. Imam al-Baghawi rahimahullah, he says, Allah, They oppose Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They oppose Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And he says that the linguistic origin of al-khada'u, of al-khada'u, Yukhadi'una comes from the word al-khad'a In the Arabic language means al-ikhfa'u Al-khad'a, he says, the origin of it is al-ikhfa' Which means to hide something To hide something So that when a person does hear How this verse is يعني, apparent to that meaning It says that when a person does that which he makes apparent And shows that which is not within So he's hiding that which is within by showing that which is opposing that. Yeah? And as for that which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does from al-khadr, 
which is found in Surah An-Nisa verse 142, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, and He deceives them, is that He makes apparent and brings them blessings in this worldly life, but does not make apparent to them the punishment that awaits them in the hereafter. You with me? Sure? You're awake? Okay. How does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala deceive them? He makes apparent and brings them blessings from this worldly life. But does not make apparent to them the punishment that awaits them in the hereafter. So he gives them this world. They try to deceive Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, what he does for them, he doesn't show them Jahannam now. He doesn't show them the adab of the qabr now. The grave, the fire, the hardships of the day of judgment. He doesn't show that to them now. He just gives them the beauties of this world. They might have the money, they might have the luxuries, they might have the status, they might have the people, they might have all of that. But this is how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, how he deals with them. Now he continues to say, who he continues to say? Imam al-Baghawi rahimahullah. He says that it has also been said that al-khad'u, it means, al-khad'u means corruptness, al-fasad. Right? It means corruptness, al-fasad. So this will mean, if we take this meaning over here, so this will mean that they corrupt that which they make apparent. They corrupt that which they make apparent of iman by that which they maintain hidden in their hearts of disbelief. So they're showing their iman. They're showing that we pray. We, they prayed behind an Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam in Masjid Nabawi. They did the deeds. But they were what? Corrupting their deeds and their actions and their beliefs. How? Because they were maintaining disbelief in their hearts. Now, as for what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does, if we take this meaning, then it means that He spoils for them the blessings in this world. He spoils for them the blessings of this world with that which is prepared for them in punishment in the hereafter. That subhanallah, imagine I gave you a cup of water and it was an extremely hot day and you're in the middle of the desert but this water had ice in it really good water on that really hot day but then I say if you drink this, when you drink this after that I'm going to kill you after that you're going to die isn't that water now spoiled? isn't that water now horrible? I <laughs> take me away from that water right? it's a blessing but over here what comes next is going to be worse. So over here he spoils, yes, you go and have the dunya. But what's coming for you after this is going to be horrible. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for his protection, Ya Rabbi. Imam al-Qurtubi rahimahullah who died in the year 671 after the hijrah of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa He says, according to this meaning, يعني, that it means al-fasad, corruptness, then it means that they corrupt their beliefs and their deeds. Between themselves and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala through arriya, showing off. So how do they do this? How do they show, yani ruin their deeds? Yukhadi'oon Allah, that they try to, uh, yani they try to deceive Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Is that, for instance, they pray in the masjid, again, behind the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, perhaps for fajr. In masjid nabawi, in, yani the best place that you could possibly be at that time. You could even probably be in the Rawdah, which is a piece of Jannah, 
Because the Prophet ﷺ says, right? Whatever is between my house and the minbar is a garden from the gardens of paradise. So over here, he might even be praying there, but he's only there to show off. Riyaan. Riyaan. Right? To show off to everyone. So what does he do? The entire thing is now useless. He's got disbelief in his heart and he wants to show to the people that I'm a believer. I'm a mu'min. So over here he tries to deceive Allah but what's happening? He's just doing what? Deceiving himself. So he corrupts that which he does between him and Allah through the worship that he has. He, he tries to do that which is between him and Allah and he corrupts it. He ruins it through ar-riya. And that is mentioned by Imam al-Qurtubi rahimahullah. Imam al-Baghawi rahimahullah, he does make reference to another scholarly opinion That which was held by al-Hassan al-Basri rahimahullah Now it means, Hassan al-Basri rahimahullah, he says يُخَادِعُونَ Allah That they try to deceive Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala That it means that they try to deceive Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam Just as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in surah al-Ahzab إِنَّ الَّذِينَ يُؤْذُونَ اللَّهِ Indeed, those who harm Allah he says what this means is that those who harm the awliya of Allah in Allah in Surah Al-Ahzab Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he says indeed those who harm Allah Hassan al-Basri rahimahullah he says what this means is those who harm the awliya of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the allies the friends of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala right so if you harm the allies of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala they are equating it to harming Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so we have to be very careful with how we deal our brethren, our Muslim. You don't know who's a wali of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in his private life. You don't know. And any believer, the general status is that any person who up upholds his prayers and stays away from the haram is a wali of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Anyone who's engaging in his worship properly, properly, is a wali of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala if he avoids that which is haram. So if you now talk to this person and harm him, and do that which is harmful to him You are actually what? Attempting to harm Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala He protects his awliya So you encroach on their rights You encroach on them And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will take you into account They have the best defense Their defense is Allah We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for his protection Ya Rabb So <clears throat> this, is this is what is meant by that they try to deceive those who believe. Now Imam Al-Qurtubi rahimahullah, he explains this and he mentions in his tafsir that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he makes equivalent them deceiving his prophet and the believers. Allah makes equivalent them deceiving the, his, his prophet and deceiving the believers. He makes it equivalent to them deceiving Allah. Those who deceive the Prophet wasallam, he equates it as deceiving Allah. This is because the Prophet is calling them to Allah's message. So if you try to deceive the one who is calling you to Allah's message, then you're actually deceiving who? The one who sent the message. And Imam Al-Qurtubi rahimahullah, he says, as is the same when they deceive the believers, then by this they deceive Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The same thing. It's equivalent to deceiving Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala 
for the one who tries to deceive the Prophet or the believers. Ibn al-Jawzi rahimahullah, he gives a final one more uh, definition that wasn't found in the ones previous. He says al-khada' it means to deceive and to plot. To deceive and to plot. And then he mentions something that is important which is going to help us for the next quote. He says, and that the one who is described as a plotter and a deceiver, al-khadi'. The one who is described as a plotter and as a deceiver is going to be described with it as being a khadi', regardless if his intended plot or deception comes to be or not. So al-khadi', the one who does this plotting and this deceiving, he is going to be called a plotter and a deceiver regardless of if his plot comes to be or not. Does that make sense? Yes, no. Be honest. Be honest. No? Okay, it didn't make sense. Alhamdulillah. One person was honest. Astaghfirullah. Now, if I have a plot to do evil, say, Mathanan, I want to break this wall down. I have a plot in my mind. Okay? Now at that moment that I have the plot, the thought of bringing evil down to this wall, then I am called a khadi'. Regardless if I actually break that wall down or not. So these people, yukhadi'oon Allah, they try to deceive and plot against Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. At the moment that they plot, regardless of it being successful or not, they are called as khadi'. So that's why they describe as yukhadi'oon Allah. Now something that is important here, Imam al-Tabari rahimahullah, he mentions, when did Imam al-Tabari died? 310 after the hijrah of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Imam Tabari makes a point of emphasis here. He says, they were not able to deceive Allah. They were not able to deceive Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and they only deceived themselves. Because why is this important? Why is this important? Is when you say in the Arabic language, يُخَادِعُونَ Allah, It means that it happens. Like if it was just a, that, that was the statement. If it was nothing else attached to it. If it was only يُخَادِعُونَ Allah, They deceive Allah. It means that it happens. Right? So that's why there is an emphasis over here to say, They can never deceive Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's impossible. He actually mentions... Uh, later on that it is the important note over here is why that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala describes them as yukhadi'oon Allah is that they intended to plot but they were not able to do it they intended to do this but they were not able they weren't successful in it so this is the important part of understanding that over here the word was used that they deceive Allah but they were unable to deceive him وَمَا يَخْدَعُونَ they were unable they do not deceive anyone, illa who, anfusahum, except themselves. Now, illa anfusahum, they only deceive themselves. Imam al-Baghawi rahimahullah, he says, this is because the repercussion of their deception only comes back upon themselves. The repercussion of their deception only comes back upon themselves. This is because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made apparent for his Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam the hypocrisy. Here we go. 
too long. You want us to cut, short, cut it short? Okay. Imam al-Baghawi rahimahullah, he says, illa anfusahum, except upon themselves. They only deceive themselves. This is because the result, the ending, the repercussion of the deception only comes back upon themselves. This is because how? How did this happen? Where is the repercussion? Where is the result? That they only harm themselves, they only deceive themselves. Where is it? This is because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made apparent for his Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam the hypocrisy. And Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam knew the names of the hypocrites around him. He even got one of the companions to write down their names. And then the companions would say, is my name on it? Is my name on it? Out of fear of being part of the munafiqeen. But Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam knew the munafiqeen from amongst them. He knew exactly who they were. He knew their heads. He knew their leaders. He knew who these people were. And the problem with this is, what's scary about this is they were described as munafiqeen by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. La ilaha illallah. Imagine Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala branding a person a munafiq. This person is a hypocrite. And this person is going to be in the lowest pits of Jahannam. La ilaha illallah. Now, they were made to be humiliated in this world. Because now on Nabi Sallallahu they can't show faith to him. He knows, he can see through you. He knows that you're a munafiq. So they were humiliated, not him specifically, relax. He's my boy, bro. And Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam knew these hypocrites. So it was humiliation for them every time they saw him. And subhanallah, they made it obligatory upon themselves with the punishment of the hereafter. La ilaha illallah, this is the kalam of who? Imam al-Baghawi rahimahullah. Now Ibn al-Jawzi rahimahullah, he says that it comes back upon themselves this in this world in two ways. It comes back that they don't deceive themselves. They don't deceive except themselves. This happens in the dunya in two ways. The first way is by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala not taking them into account immediately. Al-Ihmal. He leaves them. He leaves them, lets them be. And allows them to keep going. So that they will increase in their punishment. Allah lets them go. You think you're deceiving Allah, you're only deceiving yourself. Keep going. Keep going. And you're only making the punishment against yourself worse. And then the second is the same thing that Imam al-Baghawi rahimahullah mentioned, that they were made apparent to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, which was humiliation. وَمَا يَشْعُرُونَ وَمَا يَشْعُرُونَ And they feel it's not. Imam al-Baghawi rahimahullah, he says that they do not know that they are deceiving themselves and that the repercussions of their deception is turned against themselves. They don't even feel it, that they're deceiving themselves. They think they're deceiving Allah, the Creator, the King of all kings. They think it, they think they're winning. <laughs> Giggles, you know what I mean? They're kicking back with the boys and they thought, oh, we got him, <laughs> he thinks we believe. They don't, they don't understand that they're in the loss. They don't understand that they are not successful in what they do. وَمَا يَشْعُرُونَ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says they actually think that they are going and they are actually deceiving Allah and the believers. They think that they're deceiving Allah and the messenger. They think it. وَمَا يَشْعُرُونَ They don't know. They don't know that they're only creating a hisab of adab. That they're creating for themselves an accounting of reckoning and punishment. وَمَا يَشْعُرُونَ They won't. They don't even feel it. 
And then Imam Al-Qurtubi rahimahullah, he says, they make their belief apparent. They show that they're Muslim, apparently, which opposes that which is in their hearts from disbelief. And this is to prevent, why? Why do they do this? To prevent, uh, this is to preserve themselves, Afwan. This is to preserve themselves, their blood and their wealth. They thought they were successful in being saved through their deception. This is why. They wanted to save themselves. They wanted to save their money. They wanted to save their blood. And this is why they had to show their faith. Imam Al-Qurtubi rahimahullah, he shows one very beautiful point, And I think that's my last point, inshallah. After this, we, we finish. I know, long class today. I'm sorry. Now, Imam Al-Qurtubi rahimahullah, he says, this is a clear evidence in this verse that the munafiqeen did not truly understand Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and know him. Big one. Wake up a little bit. Just wake up a little bit. <laughs> he says that this verse, who's saying this? Imam al-Qurtubi rahimahullah. He says that this verse is an evidence that the munafiqeen did not truly understand and know Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If they did know Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then they would know that he could never be deceived. They would know that you can't deceive Allah. It's not possible to try to deceive Him. Why is, the case, why is this the case? Because you can only deceive the one who does not know the reality of an affair. He cannot see, if someone cannot see the inside of something, then he can be deceived. But Allah sees everything. Yani for instance, if I come to you, and I come with a Ponzi scheme, right? I got a new cryptocurrency, boys. Okay, it's a good token. Oh, you're gonna get 600% in three days. <laughs> right, so this is the scheme, right? Who's heard of a Ponzi scheme like this, right? There, here we go. I will make you, you will live on Dubai in the fourth day. <laughs> now, with your own house. Now, the scheme is that I come to you with a business plan. You invest all your hard-earned money with me, my brother, and I will make you rich. Okay? Now, I think that you've never seen me. But just before I came, someone said, so-and-so is coming, he is going to say one, two, and three, and he is a fraud, he is a cheat, he is a liar, he is a kadhab. Don't even look at him, because if you look at him, he might steal your money. <laughs> so when you, I came to you, I said, I'm going to do, make you rich. You are going to be on a private island in Dubai. With millions. Six houses. You saw me, but you could see the reality of my affair. Because someone told you about it. So I could not be deceived. You could not be deceived now. You were like, Hala, this guy's an idiot. <laughs> he thinks he can deceive me, I know. Right? So now you had the reality of my affair. So you are not being able to be deceived now. Halas, he knows it. But the king of all kings, who knows every affair, who knows that which you hide in yourselves? Who knows that which you do when no one can see? And you think you can deceive him? Not possible. Not possible. You can't deceive the one who cannot be deceived. It's like you come up with a master plan and he knows everything that you've thought of before you thought about it. Allah. They try to deceive Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They only deceive themselves. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for his protection 
بارك الله فيكم وصلى الله على نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم Brothers, tomorrow Arafah fast Least you could do, engage as much dua as you can Keep going as much as you can Force yourself, push yourselves Encourage your families, your friends Spread the word tonight And remember, masjid 20 people, $20 Try your hardest, let's try to get this somewhere And just engage your brothers as well In doing something that is good Remind them of Arafah in this way And it will be goodness inshaAllah Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh This program was presented by Al-Bayan Radio, the voice of Ahl-Sunnah wal-Jama'ah.